0: People of God, I invite you to turn with me in God's word to Romans uh, chapter 4, Romans uh, chapter 4, and we'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 12, 1 through 12, Oh 15. 16 isn't quite the right verse, but 1 through 15. People of God, hear the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was according, accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. People of God, uh, that word uh, concerning God's glorious good news of saving faith to his people God's Signs and Seals of Justification. Uh, this is the theme for the night. And we see in Romans chapter 4, the New Testament explanation, definition, uh, significance of circumcision. Uh, circumcision, of course, is a part of the blood signs and seals administered in the Old Testament. Uh, Baptism is the sign and the seal of the New Testament corresponding to circumcision. We look at this topic for, of course, a number of reasons. One is to be encouraged by the gospel. But there's another reason I have, and it's not because I think you're devoid of all understanding of that, but just to remind ourselves that When we talk about baptism, and particularly infant baptism, uh, we are oftentimes challenged about its biblical nature. I submit to you that Romans chapter 4 is one of the key passages of the New Testament that you would go to to prove infant baptism. Because it sets before us the pattern of circumcision. Uh, The practice we have of infant baptism or I should say, of baptism, is following exactly the practice of Old Testament as administered in circumcision. So oftentimes we hear a declaration that we believe in infant baptism, but I would submit that we believe in baptism and the practice of baptism, both for infants and adults. But it depends on the circumstance. Just as in the Old Testament, circumcision was administered uh, both to adults and infants, depending on the circumstance. And the circumstances of the administration of circumcision in the Old Testament to adults and children is the exact same administration of baptism in the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, the pattern of repent or one might better say, believe, repent, and be circumcised, is the same as the book of Acts and its declaration to believe, repent, and be baptized. A declaration made to adults in an evangelistic setting. But we also have, in both Old and New Testament, the administration of the sign and seal of justification to infants just as it was in the Old Testament. And so we'd look at that. The first thing that we would look at is the sign itself, the signs themselves. So we'll look at circumcision and then apply it to baptism out of Romans 4. So the sign of circumcision is a circular cut. It is a cutting away of the flesh, which is quite striking since... The sign of the New Testament, baptism, and the word baptism, circumcision, literally mean to cut away, uh, and and the sign of baptism means to unite with. So you have two words representing signs and seals that have the opposite meaning, but have the sign and seal of the exact same thing. Ever think about that? Circumcision is to cut off, to break away. Cut off, and baptism is a fundamental meaning of to merge with, to be immersed in, to be joined with. But they have the exact same sign and seal, and that is, as it's so clearly stated in verse 11 of our scripture, which is our text 11 and 12, receive the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith. It's a sign and seal of the righteousness of faith. And that's exactly what baptism is a sign and seal of. So historically, we have talked about baptism being the sign and seal of justification, which our, ta- our scripture reading is full of. It is, it is repeatedly addressing justification. And, and ba- circumcision is a sign and a seal of that. And baptism is a sign and seal of justification. Now, it's more than that. Uh, there are many aspects to the nature. of uh, There are different uh, baptism signs and seals more than one thing. Our catechism will point that out itself. But one of the main things that it signs and seals is the righteousness of faith. The righteousness of faith. Circumcision does that by focusing on The cutting off or the putting away of sin. Sin being removed. Which is that aspect of justification, which is our sin is imputed to Christ. It's removed from us. It is given to Christ. It's separated from us. Colossians chapter 2. Uh, verses 9 through 12, will highlight that meaning in this way. Colossians 2, 9 through 12. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of of all principality and power. In Him, we are baptized into Christ. We are in Him. We are united to Him. In Him. You were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. In Jesus Christ, our sin is removed. In Christ, we receive the righteousness of Christ Himself. Justification. It is the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And the circumcision of Christ is not his circumcision at eight days. That was the sign and seal. The circumcision of Christ is his death on the cross. And his death on the cross is what removes our sins. And circumcision points to the fact that blood needed to be shed in order for the removal of sin. Our removal of sin. And it was Christ's blood that is shed. Circumcision was but a sign and seal, looking ahead to that reality of Christ being, of, of Christ dying, his death. Uh, and the New Testament also describes the death of Jesus Christ as his baptism. The death of Christ is his is the circumcision of Christ. Matthew 20, uh, verse uh, 22. Matthew 20, verse 22. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized, baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? The baptism of Christ is the cross of Christ. That's his baptism. The circumcision of Christ is the cross of Christ. And the sign and the seal of all that is ours through the cross of Christ is circumcision and baptism. And so these are the signs and the seals. Again, Romans chapter 4 says that it is a sign and seal that, uh, that Abraham received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith. Now, circumcision and baptism are not themselves the reality. They're not the reality of the cross. They're not the reality of all that we have received from the cross, namely justification. They are a sign and a seal of that glorious promise, those glorious promises, that glorious reality of sin being removed and righteousness being imparted. It is a sign and a seal. Signs and seals are important, they're helpful, Uh, they're significant, they're official, but they're not the reality. Uh, My son, uh, Paul, uh, preached a sermon on this, and uh, this same theme, not sure where he got that from, but anyway, uh, he, he did it and he brought in a new illustration to illustrate that, and I thought it was so good I incorporated it into this sermon, and that is, a birth certificate. A birth certificate is a sign and, uh, uh, that you're born, right? It's a sign. It's a, it's a public document, and it has an official seal on it. Uh, a lot of times those seals have an imprinting, and they're an official document signed, and it's a sign and seal of birth. But there's no mother in this room. Who would confuse the sign and the seal with the reality of birth because they're very different? The birth is a physical reality that would take place and it is not the birth certificate. That's just the sign and the seal. The reality is the birth. And uh, none of us should be confused about that. So we shouldn't be confused about the difference between a sign and a seal and the reality. Of the sign and the seal. But it is a sign and a seal of the promise of righteousness, of being justified, of justification that comes from what Christ has done, the promise of righteousness. That's the essence of justification isn't it the promise of righteousness which involves two things we've already mentioned them but our text highlights them and we should look at that just in the context of the text David uh, would David also describes the blessedness verse 6 of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works so what is the nature of the imputation of righteousness now we think of that in two ways that Our sin is imputed to Christ and Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. It takes both, both. Both the removal of sin and both the impartation of righteousness. But this is the righteousness apart from works. And what is the emphasis of David uh, that Paul brings out in David in this particular place? It is the forgiveness of sins. It's sin being washed away. It is sin being removed from us. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin because he's imputed it to Christ. This is the removal of sin. This is the beginning of perfect righteousness. This is what circumcision is a sign and seal of it's a sign and seal that God has forgiven us the guilt of sin the punishment of sin the taint of sin all of this removed lawless deeds forgiven verse 7 sins forgiven verse 7 sin not imputed verse 8 and we're reminded that even our little children here can know this can't they Uh, God, in his revelation, in 1 John 2, verse 12, he writes to little children, he writes to young men, he writes to fathers, and he begins with little children. And what should you little children remember is little children. 1 John 2, 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. So we need to remember Jesus' death on the cross results in my sin being removed, forgiven. God doesn't count it against us because Christ has borne that sin. He's borne the wrath of God on the cross. The atoning death of Jesus, the blood sacrifice, the blood sacrifice, Therefore, sin is imputed to Christ and taken away from me. And this is what circumcision is a sign and a seal of. Uh, There are those who argue against uh, infant baptism by declaring that circumcision was, well, it was a practice of ethnic identity. No, says Paul. In Romans. No, says the word of God. No, says the sacrificial system. No, says the the blood cutting away, uh, the blood resulting from cutting away in circumcision. No, it is a sign and seal of the righteousness of faith apart from works. That's what it's a sign and seal of. They have to weaken and cheapen circumcision in order to fit into their their view of how in the Old Testament children could be circumcised. Because if circumcision was a sign of the righteousness of faith, uh, of a righteousness that comes from the forgiveness of sins, and a righteousness that comes from God imputing the righteousness to us so that we stand righteous before God apart from works, well, if that's what circumcision means, then it can't apply to children because that's our argument for why children can't receive baptism but Romans says God's word says circumcision is a sign and seal of the righteousness of faith not just an ethnic identity but it's tied to the true faith. It's tied to that one who is the father of, of, the, of, the, uh, of the uncircumcised, of the, the one who's being evangelized, who comes to Jesus and is baptized after profession of faith. It's a sign and seal of that. And so, that is the heart of circumcision, the sign and seal that circum- is that it's the removal of sin. But it's also the imputation of righteousness itself because the broad term is declared that, that it's a sign and seal of the righteousness of faith. Not only the forgiveness of sin, that's an essential part of being righteous before God. But there's more that is necessary. Uh, this uh, can be seen in another illustration. If I were uh, taking a test and I had a hundred questions, and uh, I was, I took the test and I got every single question wrong, and the, and my teacher would say to me, "Well, we will, we will take every, uh, we will not count." Any of the wrong answers against you. And so they, they, they take all the wrong answers away. Would that mean I passed the test? Well, it means I didn't, didn't have anything wrong counted against me, but I still haven't passed the test. I still need to get all the answers right in order to get a passing grade. In order to stand righteous before God, it is not only the removal of our sin, it is the impartation, the imputation of the righteousness of Christ himself given to us. And when the word of God talks about the being justified, uh, the word justified linguistically in, in the uh, Greek language is the same word as for made righteous. It's righteousified we are made righteous that's the nature of that's the word justification justified is the is the is the verb righteous is the noun in english but they're the same they're in the same word in greek it's the same word same root word english it's two different words in greek it's the same word so when you see the word justified you could think of it as righteousfied or made righteous And that's more than having our sin removed. That's an essential part, but it's only a part. The second part of it is that the righteousness of Christ is given to us. Not of works, but of grace. A righteousness that comes by believing the promise. Not by working and fulfilling a law. It is... The imputation of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Verse 5. His faith is accounted for righteousness. That's more than forgiveness. Forgiveness is a part of it, but it's only the first part. The second part is we're looked at as being absolutely righteous before God. And remember, when Abraham was declared righteous, he believed God. He believed the promise. He believed God. and, And he left his land He was coming out of paganism. It wasn't that he had been leading this this righteous, holy life, and then all of a sudden God declared him righteous because he was following the law. No, he was a convert. He was a convert. He would, in that sense, say, not, not, of course, literally the first generation convert, but he was a convert. in his adult life so he receives circumcision after his profession of faith in the promise and so now this righteousness is that Christ got every answer correct and he gives it to us and it's now ours and it's not cheating it's grace it's grace the grace of God. Jesus' perfect fulfillment of the law becomes ours. And this is what circumcision is a sign and seal of. And so people of God, this, this highlights that baptism is the sign and seal of the righteousness of faith as well. It's the same promise. It, it seals the same reality same reality. And we are counted, verse 6, righteous. We are counted. We are uh, looked at. Blessed is the man who imputes. It's an imputed righteousness. I love the way the catechism declares it when it asks the question of how we are right with God. And and it, and it then talks about how that God looks at us as if we had never sinned nor been a sinner. The removal of sin. And he looks at us as if we were as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for us. The word counted. uh, The word imputed. uh, Means given. We receive it. It's a gift of grace. And it's a righteousness of faith not works. Uh, A faith that embraces. A Faith that recognizes. And we know, of course, that faith itself is a gift of God that arises out from what we saw this morning was we were begotten again. And because we're begotten again, we, God has gifted us with the gift of faith that knows and, and believes the promise. It believes the, the truth that's been revealed just like Abraham believed. In Romans 3, 21, uh, that is declared this way. 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, being witnessed by Abraham, Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified. That is declared righteous. Sin removed and righteousness uh, uh, imparted. Uh, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption, that is, through the, the atoning sacrifice, through the redeeming act of the cross that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation, that is, as the one who bore the wrath of God against our sin that we should have borne by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance. God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. It is not of works, though it results in works. We have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. We have been clothed in the good works of Christ. Christ has accomplished our pardon and perfection. Therefore, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, tying together evening and morning. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels so god has clothed us with righteousness signed and sealed in baptism and circumcision and that is given as administered to all uncircumcised believers unbaptized believers for the administration of the sacrament of Circumcision is set before us here in Romans chapter 4. We've already seen it, haven't we? Abraham believed in a state of unbelief. He was in a state of unbelief. He comes to believe. He hears the promise. He believes the promise. And by faith, is it his, he is declared righteous, not on works, but recognizing his faith in the promise and so he is the father of the uncircumcised believer. He's the father of the believer who, who had, was walking in darkness and, and by God's grace was seeing the light. And that becomes the pattern, believing the promise, the promises that God gave to Abraham, uh, the promise that He would be a great nation. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4, we see the promises that God gave to Abraham, and we'll quickly look at those promises. And now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's why we sang those songs. The ends of all the earth shall hear. This is the great theme that in the, Blessing of God, all the ends of the earth shall be blessed. And so Abraham in verse 4 departed as the Lord said to him. And Lot went with him and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed and he was not circumcised. He, he became circumcised after. But he was, there was the promise of a great nation, the promise of a great name, the promise of being a blessing, the promise of blessing and the promise of protection. And in fifteen, uh, Genesis 15, we have uh, the promise of a seed, Genesis 15, 4 through 6. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body will be your heir. And then he brought him outside and said, look now toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he he accounted it to him for righteousness. He believed in the promise Uh, That is reflected in Romans 4 where it says that the gospel is going out and it is being believed. And even the unbaptized, the uncircumcised who comes to know Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord, they come to know. The promise of forgiveness is in in Genesis 15, 7 through 10. The great promise that God declares, I will be your God and you will be my people these are all the promises of God. And in Genesis 17, those promises are now signed and sealed in circumcision. And it, is to, and it is that that sign and seal will be given to the children of the covenant people, the children of believers, Abraham's child, Isaac. And so we follow the pattern of administration. Now, not just to anyone, but we, we, we would not baptize uh, as part of vacation Bible school or a Sunday school program or a, or a community event. We don't have a community baptism service. We baptize following the pattern of circumcision believer, and their children. And the promise, the meaning of the promise of circumcision to Isaac was the righteousness of faith. It was signing and sealing that. It signed and sealed that to Isaac. And the call was in Romans uh, chapter 4, the call to the To the ungodly would be repent, believe, and be circumcised. Just as we would give that sign, uh, that call to the ungodly today. Not just baptism as a a means of evangelism, but the gospel proclamation. And then where there's profession, baptism, adult baptism. See, we do believe in adult baptism. Baptism. Sometimes we might argue, almost as it seems, against adult baptism when we're arguing for uh, 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 infant baptism, but we shouldn't do that. We actually believe in adult baptism. We just believe in infant baptism as well, following the pattern of circumcision. And all the children of believers, all the children of believers, Romans 4 brings that in. And he is the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. He is the father of circumcision. Of those, but of the circumcision who have faith, Uh, There is that relationship between profession of faith and the administration of circumcision in the Old Testament. The administration of circumcision was a constant call to believe the promise. And so baptism today is a constant call to believe the promise. It is not a work that saves. It is not an act that regenerates. It is not an act that is performed uh, by people and upon people as a uh, a law that that, uh, brings about at that second salvation. But it is a constant proclamation, a sign and a seal to believe. So you children, you've been baptized. And God's call to you is to believe to embrace by faith the promise that he has given you in the daily teaching of the gospel, in the weekly proclamation of the gospel, in the preaching of the gospel. And you are called to believe that sign and seal that God has administered, had, has administered to you in your baptism. Believe. The sign, uh, the reality of the sign and the seal. Look to what it's pointing to. It's pointing to Jesus. So that Abraham would be the father of all those who believe. All those who call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. All of those having faith in the promise of, that God gives of the forgiveness of sins and the imputation of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Acts 2 verse 39 declared it this way, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. The reality of the promise, embraced by faith by those whom God calls, so that Abraham is the father of all who believe, Uh, the uncircumcised and the unbaptized who believe and are then baptized, the circumcised and baptized who walk by faith, circumcised in the Old Testament, baptized in the New Testament, all true believers. And this is what is to be proclaimed and taught and get what we give our children instruction that they may take hold of it. This is what we teach just as God would command his people in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. And these words which I have commanded you today shall be in your heart. This is a reference to, of course, the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments has also a a means of proclaiming the gospel and ultimately uh, the commands to to baptize and to uh, circumcise in the old and baptize as signs and seals. And these words which I have commanded shall be in your heart, in your heart. That which is signed and sealed in circumcision and now baptism is by God's design to direct our heart to love God, to trust God. And we as parents need to instruct our children in these things and you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you, when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. People of God, believe the promise Believe the promise. The text that we, scripture we read, is filled with the repeated declaration about believe. Hear the word. Believe the word. Believe the sign and the seal, what they sign, believe the sacraments and what they sign and seal. And so profess the promise. Profess the promise by faith of the forgiveness of sins and the imputation of the righteousness found in Christ alone. Amen. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the signs and seals that you give us of gospel promise. And we thank you for the clear explanation of those signs and seals in your word. And we thank you for the reality of the signs and seals that is found in the baptism and circumcision of Christ on the cross, that is found in the powerful work of your grace in our lives, evidenced by the reality that we have faith in the promise. We thank you for justification. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins and the imputation of the righteousness of Christ in our lives. We thank you for a great and glorious salvation. And we pray that we may rejoice in the signs and seals that you give and that may, they may be a comforting blessing to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.